0: We are. We
1: are. We are. are Cultivate. 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 Cultivate.
0: Cultivate. Cultivate. We are. Cultivate. Nearly fifty-one years ago, a mystery man known as Dan Cooper, aka DB Cooper, pulled off one of the most jaw-dropping heists in recorded history. On November the twenty-fourth, nineteen seventy-one, he hijacked a plane, took two hundred thousand dollars, and leapt from the plane and was never seen again. Everything would take place on board Northwest Orient Flight 305 from Portland to Seattle. It was intended to be a brief and simple trip, and at first glance, D.B. Cooper appeared to be a typical business traveler. However, it quickly became apparent that this was not the case. A DNA sample and a detailed physical description of the individual are available, yet many important questions remain unanswered, such as, where is D.B. Cooper? who is D.B. Cooper, and did he even survive the fall? Join us for part one as we discuss the curious case of D.B. Cooper. Hello, our fellow weirdos. It is Dom and his beautiful co-host.
1: Amy, hi. I assume that's where I come in because she said beautiful.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It it actually is. And this is episode 34 of Horror House True Crime and the Macabre. We all hope you are... We all hope. What? There's only two of us. We hope all of you (laughs) who are listening are well and are having a lovely lovely friday uh amy my lovely how are you doing today
1: i'm doing good i'm doing great i'm, I'm very excited about this very excited i've considered oh, nothing a week ago yeah. i'm now very excited about it
0: <laughs> oh yeah i love this case like it is one of my favorite unsolved true crime case it's like a hybrid it's like an unsolved case and a true crime case. It's it's amazing. I love it. It is. It really um, is. I so definitely I'm... fell
1: into a hole with it.
0: Oh yeah. Didn't fall off a plane though. You just fell into a hole.
1: No, I mean, that's two very different things. I survived, and I'm definitely still here.
0: <laughs> well, he might have survived. He's probably dead if he did survive. Now you're getting ahead is... of
1: yourself, Dom. He would be you're getting old. ahead of yourself. We're not even he... there yet. <laughs> Come on.
0: This, we're still in the intro. <laughs> I know. I got. I got to save. I've got to save some meat don't I? I've got to save some meat of the episode. Absolutely. <laughs> so, before we get started uh, on today's case, I have some Patreon news. So, as some of you may know, and as some of you may not know, in around early September, I launched a Patreon page for the show, and for the past few weeks, it's been on the back burner due to some things that I saw and things that I read, and I've been... Sort of of debating whether to bin it or whether to to carry on with it. So, the consensus is we're going to carry on with it. And the Patreon page is coming back. It's the return of the Patreon. A sequel. So, there are a few changes to the tiers. So, instead of £5 and £10, the tiers are £4 and £8. But the perks are... Same off the top of my head, I don't think there's any changes to that, but the prices have changed a little right. bit so <laughs> right I was like, you know what I'm gonna bump those down a little bit because we want people on the Patreon page come join us. so if you want early access to episodes, if you want you know bonus a bonus episode one bonus episode a month so you get some extra content, if you want ad free episodes, then come. Join the Horror House Patreon. We would love to have you join this little this little cult. Sorry, not cult, family. Join this little family. <laughs> this is it's not a cult. <laughs> Honestly. Sure. Oh, no, dear. it's not a cult. <laughs> it's not a cult. <laughs> it's not a cult. Nobody That's said cult. cult. I'm gonna... Right. Um, Amy, let's uh, throw away the punch. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> just make sure we don't have that out. So if you want to come and join the Patreon and get more Horror House, get more of me and Amy in your ear holes, that sounded wrong, then come, come join us. <laughs> all the way in. All the and way it, in those ear holes. All the way in. All the way in those ear holes. Dry. I'm going to stop. Uh, <laughs> oh, so please if... stop.
1: Oh <laughs> <Ugh>, no. <laughs> Just watch no one sign up for <laughs> the, the Patreon ear- now. No one's going to do it. No, no <laughs> one wants us dry in their ear holes. It's just not. Ugh. No. If you don't like the sound of, you know, us being dry in your ear holes and you still want to support us, then we're also doing a buy me a coffee link um, because the podcast wouldn't run without, it might run without me and has run without me, so I can't really take credit, but it definitely wouldn't run without Dom. And Dom and me don't run without coffee. So if you fancy buying us a coffee then we also have a link for that. Please do. Or just reach out and have a chat with us yes. because that works too and that's free.
0: Yes, it is. I am much more exciting in real life than I am, I am on the podcast. So uh, please, debatable. come talk. To... Don't <laughs> listen to her. <laughs> right. Nobody, nobody talk to Amy. Just all come to me. Just slide into my DMs. <laughs> yeah, that's
1: fine. Buy me the coffees. Talk to him. That's absolutely
0: <laughs> not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, if you want to support the show, you can join the Horror House Patreon, which has the perks, and you can obviously uh, do a monthly subscription. Also with Patreon, I didn't know this, you can do a 12-month subscription. So <gasps> if you want, right? I didn't know this. Crazy. Until relatively recently. So if you don't want to pay per month, you can do... A yearly subscription, because you'll be saving money for one and look, everyone loves to save money, let's be honest we all we all need money. to save money so right now you'll We're save in a bad money way and we all do and two, you can put, you can put a yearly subscription and then you can cancel it straight away, but you'll still get a year's worth of patreon, you know just putting that out there so you cheating the system you can do that I know right <laughs> you're cheating the system yeah you know you're che- you're you're cheating whoever whoever the ceo of patreon is i don't know i was about to say you're cheating mark zuckerberg but you're not <laughs> cuz he doesn't run P- patreon.
1: probably is in some way
0: it probably it might be he's everywhere
1: <laughs> if you're listening mark zuckerberg everywhere.
0: sorry if you're listening mark zuckerberg you are a reptile in a human skin suit allegedly watch the <laughs> watch the watch the horror house, horror house instagram get flagged for community guideline violation <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to the meat of the episode we uh, everything is a food fun with me i've just realized this everything is about food <laughs> let's, let's
1: get that the meat of this episode into your dry ear holes. let's get <laughs> <Ugh>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> so episode 34 We have been rambling for like a good ten minutes. Episode thirty-four. As I said, it is all this is part one. So this is gonna be a two parter. We were gonna do it in one part, but this would be a hella long episode if we did it all in one. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna do part one this week and then we're gonna go next week we'll go into the suspects and the aftermath and the changes that were made, you know, in the in the aviation industry and all of that stuff. So are you ready, Amy, to dive into part one of episode 34?
1: Hijack me. I'm ready.
0: <laughs> hijack me. <laughs> <laughs> some, some like Creeper is going to stumble along this podcast and all he's going to hear is you go hijack me. Oh, no, and that's, that's, that's the merch for this issues.
1: episode. t shirts saying hijack me.
0: Yes. So we're going to have some Plague T-shirts and we're going to have some D.B. Cooper shirts coming out. <laughs> Happy <days>. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. So. Let's get to it. On November the 24th at approximately 4pm, a man going by the name of Dan Cooper would enter Portland International Airport and pay $20 for a one-way ticket to Seattle-Tacoma Airport, which was around a 30-minute trip north. He was given seat 18C, which was an aisle seat on the 435 flight, $20 for for a plane ticket. That is. It's a bargain. Mad cheap. <laughs> mad cheap. I wonder Holy how much hell. luggage
1: you got for that price.
0: Yeah. Maybe maybe like the ticket was $20 and then you got absolutely fucking reamed with luggage, luggage charges. On the add-ons. It just seems like yeah. a really Oh, good you deal. wanted to
1: sit down? Yeah, that's an extra $50. Yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> you wanted to sit down. <laughs> I don't have another $50. Well, it looks like you're fucking standing.
1: It Looks like we're <laughs> strapping you to the wings then. Sorry.
0: Can you imagine? On takeoff, D.B. Cooper's just like barreling down the aisleway because he doesn't have a seat. and He was just trying to stand <laughs> up. <laughs> if he <laughs> wasn't planning to fucking... hijack
1: it before, then he is after he realizes he's got a crap seat.
0: The plane, which was Northwest Orient Airlines Flight 305, carried 36 passengers on that day, not including the pilot, uh, or not including uh, the pilot, Captain William Scott, the first officer, Bob What the hell? Bob. Woo! First Officer Bob! I can't even say that. First Officer Bob. That's who he's going to be known as because I can't pronounce your surname. I'm really sorry, Bob. I'm really sorry, mate. (laughs) I tried. I didn't. I didn't try. (laughs) Let's be honest. There was no effort. First Officer Bob, uh, the flight engineer, H.E. Anderson, and two flight attendants, Tina Mucklow and uh, Florence Schaffner. So carrying a suitcase, and a brown paper bag, Cooper took seat 18E in the last row and ordered a drink, which was a bourbon, uh, sorry, a bourbon, not a bourbon. That's the biscuit. <laughs> <laughs> that is not that's, the drink. <laughs> that's some British-US <laughs> that's crossover biscuit. right
1: there. It's a bourbon. I know, right? That's a biscuit to us. It's because
0: it's cause I typed it as bourbon. <laughs> it's about the same. It's about the it. same. It's
1: just that you don't want soda with your bourbon biscuit.
0: I don't know. Seven up and a bourbon biscuit doesn't sound too bad.
1: It's soggy. I
0: mean, no, I wouldn't dunk it in the seven up.
1: Just... This is a tangent, Dom. Let's let's get back.
0: <laughs> that's that's just psychotic. You <laughs> <laughs> would. It, that's serial killer territory if you're dipping your fucking bourbons in your seven ups. Well, that's not um, exactly shocking so... on this
1: podcast, is it?
0: <laughs> no, that is true. <laughs> so, as I said, Cooper would order a drink of bourbon and 7-Up. Eyewitnesses would describe Cooper as a white male in his mid-40s with dark hair and brown eyes, wearing a black or brown business suit with a white shirt and a thin black tie, a black raincoat and brown shoes. You know, the the pattern did, I'm about to jump out of a plane outfit, then <laughs> let me get my best suit on. Maybe I'm he works for the men in black. <laughs>
1: like That sounds like they're Maybe Maybe he's, you know maybe he's an alien oh we haven't even got to the theories about this guy yet but that is my new one is that he's actually an alien and that's why he was dressed the way he was dressed i've just cracked the code close the case we're done we're done here db cooper survived and went back to his own planet
0: boom i um that is something like that's genuinely something that the history channel would jump on because you know the history channel used to be about history and now it's just about yeah the aliens built the pyramids and it's just like history channel i'm going to what happened? i'm going
1: to sell my theory to the history channel <laughs> i'm pretty sure that's right <laughs> you think about it it makes perfect sense I mean, if he's an alien he's survived that jump he's gone back to his own planet that's why no one's ever found him i mean granted you know i don't know why he'd need money and stuff if he could just pop back to his own planet but still i don't know what the currency you know the exchange rate between dollars and his planet is going to be <laughs> but you know, it's, it's a valid theory. It's my new favourite, I think.
0: Okay, that sounds, that sounds foolproof. Absolutely foolproof. He was an <laughs> interstellar traveller.
1: <laughs> it makes sense. We have
0: cracked it. History Channel, give us the money because we're, we've got a new <laughs> series. <laughs> so uh, Flight 305, which had a six-person crew and 37 packages on board, departed Portland at the scheduled time of 2.50pm Pacific Standard Time. Cooper would give a letter to Florence Schaffner, the flight attendant seated in the jump seat behind Cooper shortly after takeoff. Schaffner would put the notes in her pocket and didn't pay it much attention because at the time, men traveling alone would sometimes give flight attendants their phone numbers or hotel room numbers. Cooper then came close to... I know. <laughs> Sorry, that's the ultimate
1: burn. Like, he's even if he, she thought that was his number, she's immediately put it in her pocket, just like, um, yeah, I'm not going to look at that. <laughs> You've got no chance, it's mate. Just like,
0: <laughs> she's just like, another one to add to the collection. This is going in my bag. <laughs> I've
1: wallpapered my apartment with these, buddy.
0: <laughs> so Cooper would then come close to Florence Schaffner and say in a whisper... Miss, you'd better look at that note. I have a bomb. (laughs) No beating around the bush. (laughs) Straight up. I've got a bomb. (laughs) Look at the note.
1: (laughs) Hey, I mean, it could have been worse for old Florence. It could have said, I've got a bomb, ass dick. You know, and then had the number underneath that. That's, you know. No, that's
0: true. That's true. That would have been. That's true. I mean, definitely, it would have been worse. (laughs) It would have been worse. (laughs) He could have been like, I've got a bomb in my trousers uh you want to see it (laughs) no (laughs) i'm good (laughs) i would rather the explosive kind of bomb oh it is it is an it is an explosive kind of bomb Uh, can you stop oh no stop (laughs) stop it please stop
1: (laughs) listen up dan cooper nobody wants to see that bomb go off
0: (laughs) Yo, this is becoming like a fucking porno episode this is going off the rails (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> the my dad wrote a porno podcast of just listening and being like, they're stealing our content. <laughs> <laughs> Man, if they listen to this podcast, that would be such a flex. Not gonna lie.
1: I would love that.
0: Yeah,
1: right. Maybe we should if say their name more. Zuckerberg, if you're listening, do us a favor and stick <laughs> us in touch with them. You know, do some targeted advertising. <laughs>
0: yes please the collab to end all collabs horror house and my dad wrote a porno you couldn't get two different podcasts (laughs) we're 20 minutes in
1: and we're already referencing serial killer porn again it's it's just I know. it's not good
0: (laughs) oh dear we're giving the people what they want
1: (laughs) (laughs) the people demand sex and death
0: Schaefer would open the note and in neat, all capital letters printed with a felt tip pen, Cooper had written, Miss, I have a bomb in my briefcase and I want you to sit by me. Smooth. Smooth. So smooth. (laughs) (laughs) Man, DB Cooper putting on those moves. Wow. (laughs) Schaefer returned the note to DB Cooper and sat down, as Cooper requested, and quietly asked to see the bomb. Without context, this sounds like the dirtiest <laughs> fucking episode.
1: <laughs> oh, dear. Wait, hang on, she asked to see the bomb?
0: Yeah, yeah, she did.
1: I mean, I guess that does make sense. You don't want to, you can't just take people's word for yeah. it that they've got a bomb. You're going to want to see something. Although I wouldn't know what a bomb looked yeah. like if
0: you told me, so. No, that's, yeah, that's true. I wouldn't particularly know what I would be looking at like he'll be like this is the bomb and I'll just be like okay (laughs) cool is it I don't know
1: you did good also the notes (laughs) written in felt tip pen so you're probably expecting like some sort of you know primary school art project of a bomb (laughs) it's made out of pipe cleaners and toilet roll holders you know it's not (laughs) toilet roll tubes it's not going to be you know actual
0: bomb you uh, seem to know really well what a a a grave school plan for a bomb looks like by the way.
1: We all need hobbies, Dom.
0: (laughs) Schaefer thought that she spotted explosives as Cooper opened his briefcase and saw two rows of four crimson cylinders. There was also a wire and a sizable cylindrical battery fastened to the cylinders. Cooper would say calmly, I want $200,000 by 5pm in cash. Put it in a knapsack. I want two back parachutes and two front parachutes. When we land, I want a fuel truck ready to refuel. No funny stuff or I'll do the job. He ain't messing around. Blimey. Man is not messing around.
1: No funny business. <laughs> I know you stewardesses no. game.
0: <laughs> that's like such that's like such a fucking like stereotypical like Disney supervillain thing to say. No funny business. <laughs>
1: i am got a bomb nom, the plane, see? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks. Twirling his moustache. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Give me a bourbon and seven up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh, I'm going to stop now before I embarrass myself.
0: <laughs> that was good. Cooper's requests were written down. Uh, by Schaffner, who then brought them to the cockpit and briefed the flight crew on the situation. However, the danger brewing in seat 18C would go unnoticed by the other travellers. Ooh, there's danger brewing in seat 18C. <laughs> and
1: not just in D.B. Cooper's Schaffner
0: bomb. Schaffner was... And just, <laughs> there's trouble brewing in D.B. Cooper. And also there's a bomb. <laughs> 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 Schaffner was told by Captain Scott to spend the rest of the flight in the cockpit and record what happened. Uh, after that, Scott made contact with Northwest Flight Operations in Minnesota and relayed the hijacker's demands, saying Cooper requests $200,000 in a knapsack by 5 p.m. He wants two front parachutes, two back parachutes, and he wants the money in negotiable American currency. Tina Mucklow, a flight attendant, was seated next to Cooper, and served as the communication link between Cooper and the flight crew in the cockpit. Cooper then added more requirements, such as the need for the fuel trucks to meet the jet in Seattle, and for everyone to be seated when Mucklow delivered the cash on board. Cooper declared that he would free the passengers once he collected the money. Uh, the four parachutes would be the final cargo hauled on board. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I suppose he is, he is in a position where he can just add more requirements as and, when he, as and when he chooses.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think his requirements are relatively reasonable. You know, a couple of parachutes,
0: yeah, 200 races, grand. Yeah.
1: You know, he's he's had his bourbon. I assume he's paid for that because he asked for that before he gave her the note. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's all right. I'd be demanding all kinds of stuff. I want a Shetland pony. Get it. Get <laughs> it on the plane. I want it now. Get it a parachute.
0: <laughs> before Why he jumps not? out, because... DB you keep it just like... <laughs> Get what you
1: like. Now's the time.
0: <laughs> Just see DB Cooper jumping out the plane on like this fucking Shetland pony. <laughs> Just a pony. That's a sign. Flying through the sky. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> the event was conveyed by Captain William A. Scott to Seattle Tacoma Airport uh, tra- Air Traffic Control, who subsequently informed the FBI and local police. The 35 passengers were informed that a small mechanical fault would cause a delay in their arrival in Seattle. Northwest, o- uh, Northwest Orient President David uh, Niropp, uh, sorry, David Donald Nyrock Donald Nairop, approved the payment of the ransom and gave the go-ahead to all staff to assist the hijacker and abide by his demands. Probably a good idea. To put together the ransom, FBI investigators used a number of Seattle area banks. Cooper would reject the military issue parachutes offered by the m- matured AFB personnel and demand four civilian parachutes with manual- manually operated rip cords, which Seattle police obtained from a local skydiving school. The big balls on him. <laughs> I don't want these military issue parachutes. I want that civilian one. From a parachute skydiving school.
1: <laughs> I'm just going to pop, you know, a highlighter over this part that you're mentioning now. Because later on, when we start talking about possible suspects, this is key. This is key info. So I'm just going to underline uh... this, put an exclamation point after it. And later on, okay, when we're talking about suspects, I'm going to say, hey, remember that thing that I said put a pin in and highlight and remember it? This is where I'm going to talk about it. So just okay. bear that in mind. He didn't want military, military okay. parachutes. He wanted civilian parachutes.
0: Okay. I hope that I don't divulge more about that. I'm not gonna. You fly. probably I don't will. Step on your toes.
1: You probably will. Unlike just, last week, I'm not announcing my facts. I'm just, you know, I'm just chucking them in. No, no. So you probably will.
0: <laughs> just, if, if you know, you can stop me at any time. Any time, just be like, Dom, stop. I got some juicy stuff here. You know you can do that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) The money, which was 10,000 unmarked $20 bills, the majority of which had serial numbers beginning with L, indicating issuance by the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco, was photographed on microfilm by the FBI. Uh, Captain Scott informed Cooper that the parachutes had been delivered to the airport at 5.24 uh, Pacific Pacific Standard Time and that they would be landing shortly. Flight 305 would touch down at Seattle-Tacoma Airport at 5.46 PST. Cooper granted Scott's request to park the aircraft away from the main terminal on a runway that was just half illuminated. Cooper insisted that only one airline official approached the plane with the parachutes in cash and that the only way in and out would be through the front door of the aircraft using the mobile air stairs. The mobile staircase was then attached by a ground crew while the passengers remained seated. I bet the passengers were like confused as fuck. Blessing the problem. What is See, going on?
1: You say that, but was uh, I, I've forgotten. <clears throat> is Seattle where they were supposed to be going? Oh, no, they thought there was a technical thing. They thought there was a technical um, problem with the plane, so they're just landing. So they're not that confused. And I give credit to DB Cooper on this because he's not standing up in the middle of a plane going, hey, everybody, let's all panic, I've got a bomb. He tried to do it all sly with the stewardess. Obviously, she thought he was hitting on her, so he didn't really, you know, that (laughs) didn't go well. But he, you know, he's not trying to make anyone panic. He's just just trying to do a nice, smooth, relaxed hijacking. And I appreciate that. That is
0: true. That is true. Like, and and there are some things a little bit later on in the episode as well. And I was, when I was obviously outlining and researching and stuff, I was like, man, DB Cooper is like the chillest plane hijacker ever. He is he's so chill. Cool he's just, like, right. just a yeah. cool like,
1: I, I, is... I know he hijacked a plane. <laughs> I know he stole a lot of money, but he's just, he's just cool. He got on the plane with his, in his shop suit, looking like MIB and then he ordered his <laughs> bourbon. He's, he's smoking the entire time, smoking on a plane. Like that's its own whole conversation. He's just smoking the entire time. It's great. The stewardess sitting next to him was lighting his cigarettes because he didn't want to take the finger off the trigger. What a cool dude. I'm what not his biggest fan, cool
0: but he's a cool guy. <laughs> no, I agree. Like, I don't want to like, glorify hijacking planes. Don't, don't do that. Not that you could really hijack a plane that easily now. Like, in 1970, (laughs) you could essentially just walk onto a plane and nobody would say anything.
1: Oh, yeah, no security. No one's checking your bags. No (laughs) one's, you know, doing anything. This guy's got a very (laughs) obvious bomb in his suitcase and it's not even... Been scanned. No one's x-rayed it. He's just strolled right onto this plane. The only point anyone knew that there was a bomb in that bag is because he had to tell them.
0: (laughs) Right? It's it's wild when you think about, like, obviously pre-9-11, just how lax security was. I've just thought
1: as well. I've literally just said he was smoking the entire time. He's got a bomb in one hand and a lit cigarette in the other. (laughs) That 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 brings up his whole issue. there's so many issues. He don't give a
0: fuck
1: about nothing.
0: Right. (laughs) That also just like also puts it into perspective that he's a bit of a badass because he has like a not a dummy bomb, like (laughs) that was a legit bomb that he was gonna use if he needed to use it. And then on the other hand, he's just got a lit cigarette and he's just like, Yeah, I'm vibing. This is living my best life with my I can just imagine if he had to set the bomb off.
1: If he had to set that bomb off, he is not looking back at that explosion. He is walking away in slow motion to a banging soundtrack.
0: Oh yes. Yes. He's doing the he's doing the superhero. Not the superhero. Maybe maybe superhero. Superhero slash supervillain walk away from an explosion. That's what he is doing.
1: Absolutely. He's lighting Absolutely. his next cigarette off of the flames <clears throat> of the plane.
0: And you can you can tell as well that like if he don't want to get ahead of myself, but if he did survive the jump. He definitely did a superhero landing when he landed. He did a superhero <laughs> landing.
1: If he didn't, missed opportunity. And then he just
0: like, right? And then he just like dusted off his shoulder, <laughs> sparked up another cigarette, and then just walked walked away, sauntered off.
1: He's a bad man. Uh. We, he's a hijacker. He's, he's a criminal. We're yeah. not glorifying yeah. him, but God damn it, he's cool.
0: Exactly. Per Cooper's directive, Mucklow exited the aircraft through the front door, and retrieve the ransom money. When Mukwe returned, she carried the money bag past the seated passengers to Cooper, who was seated, as we say, in the last row. Imagine what the passengers were thinking, just like seeing this massive bag of money. <laughs> She's like, ma'am, <laughs> where's she going? Where's she going with that money? DB. I mean, just they don't the back, know that there's money in the right. bag.
1: its <laughs> They've not got x-ray vision.
0: Do you reckon it's one of those, like, you know in cartoons when they have, like... <laughs> The, the money bags. And they've got the massive fucking dollar bill on it. That's it what just, it was. It's just, just a bag with a massive dollar it's bill. It's a
1: big stripy bag that just says swag on it.
0: <laughs> just the bag that's got booty written on it. <laughs> He's got the booty.
1: Here come the booty.
0: <laughs> oh, dear.
1: I mean, I think they're probably the... going to be more freaked out when she walks down the aisle with a couple of parachutes.
0: No, that's true. That is true. It's just a confusing flight for the passengers at this point. <laughs> <So it> was... <laughs> I just wanted to have a chill half an hour flight. What is going on here? <laughs> the passengers were subsequently let go uh, after Cooper's consent. Cooper looked at the cash as the travellers disembarked and Mucklow would payfully inquire if she might have a portion of the cash In order to, or in an effort to ease the tension, Uh, Cooper would readily agree and hand Mucklo a packet of bills, but she immediately returned the money and stated that it was against company policy to accept gratuities. (laughs) I would have kept that money.
1: I'm keeping (laughs) that money. This is the shittest day at work, and you've just handed me five (laughs) grand. You're damn straight. I'm keeping that money. Stick your job, mate. I'll take this. I'm ready to jump out of a plane with this bloke.
0: I mean, the fact that like he was just like, Cool. Here's uh here's a packet of bills. <laughs> I'm just like, What?
1: <laughs> she has been giving him excellent oh, service dear. this entire time.
0: <clears throat> she has. She has been giving him excellent service. She she definitely I mean, you know, she definitely should have got it for just for looking at his bomb, let's be honest.
1: Absolutely. The amount of times I wish Absolutely. I'd been paid five grand for looking at someone's bomb. <laughs> Oh,
0: you're so not taking that out, are you? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> That's that is staying in. Oh. <laughs> I've I've lost where I've lost my train of thought. Where was I? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> according to Mucklow, Cooper had earlier in the trip attempted to tip her and the other two flight attendants with cash from his own wallet. Uh, But they had also declined, uh, both citing corporate (laughs) policy. He wanted
1: to give her just the tip. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm so sorry. I had no idea when we started this episode it would be so penis heavy. (laughs) In case any of this gets left in, Dom's crying.
0: (laughs) Here's the tip. (laughs) You want the rest? (laughs) Look in the briefcase. (laughs) I don't know why my penis jokes so funny. I am a 31-year-old man.
1: (laughs) Penis jokes will never not be funny.
0: No, they won't. No, they won't. Only Cooper and the six crew members would remain on Flight 305 once all of the passengers had safely departed. Mucklow made three excursions outside the plane to get the parachutes in response to Cooper's requests and delivered them to Cooper in the back of the aircraft. Uh, While Mucklow brought aboard the parachutes, uh, Schaffner would ask Cooper if she could retrieve her her purse, not her pass, her purse, which was stored in a compartment behind his seat. (laughs) Cooper... (laughs) this is funny i don't know why i laughed when i was outlining this but it just tickled me so cooper would agree and told shaffner i won't bite you (laughs) (laughs) you...
1: i've got there's a you know a little i hope they have they made a film of this they should definitely make a film of this and if they do i need to see like this sort of flirty little relationship between db cooper and and tina muckley because i feel like there's um there's a fan There's fiction something. waiting to happen there.
0: People will be shipping Cooper and Schaffner, let's be honest. I already am. We're going to need to combine, combine Schaffner and Cooper. Oh, is, is it
1: Schaffner he's not
0: biting? Uh... Oh, yes. Did
1: it just become a a two-on-one type scenario? <laughs> I hope that bomb's big enough, DB. <laughs>
0: Flight attendant Alice Hancock would then ask Cooper if the flight attendants could leave, to which Cooper replied, Whatever you girls would like. <laughs> so Hancock Ooh, he and is Shaffner
1: smooth. Left He's so smooth. He
0: is so smooth. Don't worry, Tets. I oh won't my bite goodness, you. Oh, goodness me. <laughs> 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 uh, so Cooper was given. Printed instructions for utilizing the parachutes by Mucklow um, when she handed the last parachute to him, but Cooper would decline to use them. Now, as we said, we're not glorifying DB Cooper. We're not glorifying. Gl- glorifying. That was so unintentional. <laughs> glorifying. <That's>
1: so appropriate.
0: <laughs> that was <We're> glorifying
1: even... <laughs> this hijacker. So appropriate.
0: Why when I try to be funny, I'm not. But then when I do something so unintentionally, it's like the best thing I say during an episode. Really? Are we calling
1: that the best thing you've said this episode?
0: (laughs) Glorifying. (laughs) Okay, yeah, all right. It's funny. Right? I'll I'll give it to you. So (laughs) we're not glorifying. (laughs) We're not glorifying
1: hijackers. (laughs) Okay, They're doing that themselves. That's
0: it. They are very much doing that themselves. Um, And thank you, by the way, for... Saying that it was funny. See, she is nice to me on occasion, just not. Very that was often. the once. Um, that was the once. This episode. That was. That was the once. This episode. <laughs> um, now, as I say, we aren't re—we aren't glorifying or glorifying, if you want to be proper, DB Cooper. But he just seems so chill. <laughs> he just seems so chill. No, I I, I, I'm it.
1: sorry. I, I'm going to disagree with you on this point because. So he's been offered, he's been given a parachute. He's been offered the instructions on how to use a parachute, right? Now, that's just a, t- I don't want to stereotype. I don't want to be sexist. No one, you know, writing in the comments that I'm, you know, horrifically <laughs> sexist. But that is a man thing to do, okay? That's <laughs> such a man thing. No, don't worry, honey. I know how to work a parachute, all right? It's like buying an IKEA, I don't know, Billy bookcase. And not following the instructions. No, I don't need the instructions. I can put this together. It's basic DIY. And then three hours later, it's still not put together. And the wife comes along and is reading the instructions and fixes it. That's this situation.
0: Okay. No, no, that's fair. That's, that's not that, cool. That's fair.
1: Just read the instructions. Because if you did, in fact, die, which we don't know. But if you did, in fact, die, then it's because you didn't read the instructions. I but guarantee in general, when he said to Miss Mucklow because you know it's going to be something like don't you worry darling I've done this a million times I don't know every time (laughs) I do an accent for him it changes but when he refuses those instructions I guarantee that she eye rolled
0: yeah yeah I can see an eye roll yeah I can see an eye roll
1: I would and all of that relationship stuff all the progress he'd made with her went out the window as soon as he took those he didn't take those instructions she was like oh god damn I thought it was the one
0: yeah, she won't want to see his bomb after that, would she? Let's be honest.
1: No, she would not. She's just, <laughs> all she's going to be doing is expecting it to go off too early. And that's not what any woman wants, really.
0: Yeah, it's not. Yeah. I wish we had a soundbite <laughs> yeah, yeah, for not. every and time so... I made a penis joke.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> this episode has been so penis heavy. <laughs> <sighs> Maybe uh, we can get
1: sponsors by some erectile dysfunction medication or something.
0: Maybe, maybe we can maybe we can get Durex to sponsor the podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't let your bo- bomb <laughs> go off too soon. <laughs> oh, that's such a good advert, especially if it's Durex. If your bomb goes off, you right. want protection,
0: right? We need to get in touch with Durex. And just be like, so I know we're a true crime podcast. This is very much not you.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, but every single serial (laughs) killer is a perfect advert for contraception. Yes. This could be your kid. They are. Yeah. You know.
0: No, that's true.
1: Glove up. Glove up.
0: Uh, Due to a delay in the refueling procedure, a second truck and then a third truck were brought to the aircraft to finish the refueling. Mucklay would claim Cooper protested about the delay and how the money was given in a cloth bag, forcing him to devise a new method of transportation. Cooper ripped the canopy from one of the reserve parachutes with a pocket knife and placed some of the cash inside the bag that was left over from the parachute. A face-to-face meeting with Cooper was requested by an FAA representative while they were in the air, but Cooper declined. Uh, This shouldn't take so long Cooper exclaimed let's get this show on the road
1: also at this point <laughs> right he's just he's asked for four parachutes which in theory is enough for all of the people that would then be left on board so he got a bit angry about the fact that the money wasn't in the right kind of bag so he's torn apart one of the parachutes at that point is someone on the plane like shit I didn't realize you were that angry you're
0: gonna just chuck me out <laughs> of a
1: plane sorry you know
0: that's that one passenger's is just like it's just like uh db man that was my parrot. <laughs> that was my parachute
1: <laughs> well i understand you want your money
0: i really <laughs> right. liked
1: that parachute what the hell maybe that's how he was telling <laughs> tina that there was no real future for them
0: <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> tina just like tries to get like tina gets the parachute that she didn't know he ripped and she's just like ah, oh, damn <laughs> I guess he doesn't like me. <laughs> Cooper then presented his flight plan and instructions to the cockpit crew, uh, which was a southeast heading towards Mexico City at the lowest airspeed that wouldn't cause the plane to stall, which was roughly 100 knots, which is uh, 185 kilometers per hour or 115 miles an hour, and a top altitude of 10,000 feet, which is 3,000 meters. Cooper then further stipulated that the that the cabin must stay unpressurized, the wing flaps must be dropped fifteen degrees, and the landing gear must remain deployed. Man, those are some demands. Those are some demands. That's
1: specific,
0: right? Very specific. (laughs) So specific.
1: I wouldn't know. I mean, (laughs) I didn't even know there were wing flaps, let alone to lower them fifteen degrees.
0: No, and like I would have no idea, like that you would have to go at a certain speed that was just slow enough or just like fast enough that the plane wouldn't stall I would have no idea about that which leads me to believe that I mean like we're going to get into like suspects later on but it leads me to believe that maybe he was someone that worked as like ground crew for Boeing or something
1: potentially I mean there's Another thing, oh, can we, do you want to announce the fact? Because I've got one. So if this <laughs> Every- is the part of the episode where you wanted to <laughs> announce my fact, now is the time because I've got it ready. It's in the barrel. I'm ready to pull the trigger. So if you want to just let the people know that it's coming.
0: Okay. Everybody, important news. <laughs> we need a klaxon or something. I need to find a klaxon sound effect. <laughs> um, yeah. Amy has a fact, people. Amy has oh, a fact. Yeah. And we love it. We need like a segment of the show. Where it's Amy's just like Amy fact sucks. of the week, <laughs> and we need like oh, a no, theme I've tune. Oh no, I've it up too much. It's not. It's not that great.
1: <laughs> it's not that great of a fact. I have. I've bigged it up a little bit too much. Okay, I'm gonna. Yeah, sorry, sorry. No, you go. Everyone, you go. I'm gonna give you the fact anyway. Um, so you mentioned earlier that the we had a little talk about the money, right? And mm-hmm. two hundred uh, thousand pound. Not pounds, sorry, dollars um marked bills so it could all be traced blah, blah 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 but what we didn't mention is the fact that it was all in 20s i think you actually did say that but there was a reason for that and the reason for that was because two hundred thousand dollars in 20 dollar bills weighs 21 pounds as in of weight not of currency getting very confusing but of weight that's how much it weighs and he needed it to be that because he had calculated for that for the jump so it couldn't have been $10 oh, bills, it brah. couldn't have been $50 bills, nothing like that because he'd calculated based on $20 bills and that's where he was very specific about the money. You're welcome. There's your fact.
0: You said that was a boring fact. That is not boring at all. I that's know. actually pretty mind-blowing. Man literally was like, I know how much.
1: Calculated.
0: I don't want 10s because I know how much that's going to weigh. Don't want 50s because I know how much that's going to weigh. 20s because I know exo- exactly how much that's going to weigh. That is...
1: I know what that's going to do to my jump. I know what that's going to mean to my, you know, parachute pulling abilities. So I need it in 20s, which I think is incredibly impressive. And also I did downplay that fact. but I learned very, very early in my life, particularly with my parents to lower my lower the expectations and then exceed them. So I'm glad you like that fact.
0: I was I do. I do like that fact. That was that was top fact. Top fact. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's okay you're very welcome my lovely <laughs> very very welcome cooper was advised by first officer william j ratsack that because of the flight arrangement cooper <laughs> ha- that's what it looks like i'm so sorry it's
1: i'm so sorry mr Ratzak. that's what it
0: looks like it's spelled r-a-t-a-c-z-a-k so unless it's ratsack okay it,
1: it probably is i, I don't know I'm, I'm sorry i didn't mean to either laugh, way mr.
0: Either way, Mr. Ratsack or Rattasak, you have a very unfortunate surname. <laughs> very <laughs> sorry <laughs>
1: I, I am I'm very sorry I didn't mean to burst out laughing
0: so, so yeah, Cooper was advised by First officer William J. Ratttersack or Ratsack that because of the flight arrangement Cooper had chosen, the plane's range was only about one thousand miles uh, which which necessitated a second refueling before reaching Mexico. Cooper and the crew considered their alternatives and decided on stopping at Reno uh, Tahoe International Airport for that refueling stop. Cooper also ordered the takeoff of the aircraft with the air stair extended and the rear exit door open. The, The office of Northwest would raise a concern with this saying that it was dangerous to leave the to uh, leave the air stairs deployed during takeoff. <laughs> they weren't they I mean they're not wrong. <laughs> De- they're not definitely wrong not wrong. On Cooper would disagree, saying it can be done, do it. But Cooper did not contest the safety of the technique and and indicated that he would lower their stairs once they were in the air. So he relented on, on that one. He was like I'll give he was like I'll give you one I'll give you one. That's my one relent. (laughs) Choose wisely. (laughs) You could have asked me to throw the
1: bomb off the plane, but instead (laughs) I'll let you close the stairs. That's fine.
0: (laughs) Only Cooper Mucklow, Captain Scott, First Officer Ratsack and Flight Engineer Harold E. Anderson were on board when Flight 305 took off at 7.40pm. I'm Probably butchering that surname so badly as well. I do apologise, sir. I I genuinely do. If I'm saying that wrong, <laughs> the seven two seven was followed by a Lockheed T thirty three trainer and two uh, matured Air Force base F one hundred six fighters that had been diverted from an unrelated Air National Guard mission uh, to keep the to keep behind the seven two seven slow fight. And out of Cooper's line of sight. All three of these aircrafts would maintain S flight patterns. Sneaky, sneaky. I like it.
1: Very sneaky. They got
0: their sneak on. Cooper would instruct Mucklow to lower the staircase after takeoff. Mucklow expressed her concern about being sucked out of the plane uh, to Cooper and the flight crew. Mucklow was advised to head to the cockpit and get an emergency rope. So she could fasten herself to a seat.
1: <laughs> there was so much in that <laughs> sentence that I held back on. <laughs> so, much. As soon so, as so much.
0: So, so much. As soon as I looked at you
1: and I literally bit it my tongue so to stop. You said sucked <laughs> off cockpit and there was something else. What was the last bit? <laughs> there was definitely something else and um, I, I didn't say a word. Yeah.
0: So, She expressed her her concerns
1: about being sucked off.
0: (laughs) I'm pretty sure that was your exact sentence. It wasn't. It definitely wasn't. So, okay. So, Cooper instructed Mucklow to lower the staircase after takeoff. Mucklow expressed her concern about being sucked out of the airplane to Cooper and the flight crew.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fair enough. It's a fair concern. Your concern has been noted, Tina Mucklow. However open the stairs.
0: <laughs> so yeah, um as I said, uh Cray was also advised to head to the cockpit and get an emergency rope so she could fasten herself to a seat.
1: That was it. That was the other bit.
0: Fasten herself to the seat. That was the other bit. Yeah. Fasten herself to the seat. Why why
1: not just fasten your seatbelt, darling? <laughs> You're about to get sucked off.
0: <laughs> the um so the idea was rejected by Cooper because he didn't want Mucklo to go in front um, or the flight crew to return to the cabin. <laughs> Cooper, Cooper's just like, yeah, no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, he's not taking on board any of Tina's ideas. past light in his cigarettes, he is not bothered about her.
0: No. <laughs> Mucklo would also beg Cooper to cut some string from one of the parachutes so she could have a safety line while she proceeded to describe her dread to him. Cooper then asked Mucklow to go to the cockpit, close the curtain that divided the coach and first-class sections, and not to come back, saying that he would lower the steps himself. So, Mucklow asked Cooper to take the explosives with him before uh, she departed. Cooper said that he would either take the bomb with him or disarm it. Mucklow noticed Cooper in the aisle, strapping what seemed to be the money bag around his waist, as she made her way to the cockpit and turned to close the curtain divider only four or five minutes had passed since takeoff um when mucklow entered the cockpit mucklow would stay in the pilot's seat for the remainder of the voyage to reno and the hijacker obviously cooper was last sighted by tina mucklow voyage why did i put voyage in my notes it's a fucking plane it's not a Boat. Why did I say voyage? I don't know. I like it. There's only so many times you can say flight. That is Quest. true. <laughs> a cockpit warning light would flash at around 8pm, signalling that the sa- that the staircase had been called into action. Cooper would respond with a single word when the pilot asked whether he needed help over the cabin intercom. No guesses for... S- for for thinking that one word is no, didn't want any help. He's like I I can do this. I got this. I got this. I got this. The crew members nice became them to offer, aware.
1: Though. Nice of them to offer help.
0: Yes, that yeah. And at least they at least they were like, "Do you want a hand, DB? Uh, do you want a hand, pal? Like we can give you a little <laughs> hand." We're best buddies at this like, point. No.
1: <laughs> We're already planning the wedding between you and Shafner. Schaff- <laughs> <laughs> you know,
0: let us help you. Uh, we need to know where. We need to know where the wedding's taking place. At least tell us that before you jump out of the plane. <laughs> <laughs> the crew members would become aware of a sudden upward motion coming from the plane's back around fifteen minutes later. The aircraft's tail portion abruptly dipped upward at around 8:13 p.m., requiring the pilots to trim and bring the craft back to level flying. Flight 305 touched down at Reno Tahoe International Airport at 11:02 p.m. A cordon was set up around the airplane by FBI agents, state troopers, sheriff's deputies, and Reno police but they did not go any closer out of concern that the hijacker and the explosives were still inside. After Captain Scott investigated the cabin and determined that Cooper was no longer on board the FBI bomb squad concluded that the cabin was safe. Cooper had left behind two parachutes, his black clip-on tie and a head-scratching mystery. It's now time for a quick commercial break as we hear from some other amazing shows. So we shall see you back here in not, but a wee moment. Hey listeners. My name is
1: Kayla and I am the creator and host of a new podcast called dark tales from the road. We cover true crime, spooky, creepy, and ghostly stories. And I want to take you state by state and country by country to bring you stories you may not have even heard of before. And also, learn some history on the city and the state where it takes place. So join me on the road as we discover Dark Tales. New episodes are posted every Wednesday. I have an Instagram, Facebook, and a Patreon, all at Dark Tales from the Road. Thank you so much, and I hope everyone has a great day. lovely listeners. My name is Lisa Marie Imre and I am the host of Coffee and Crime, a true crime podcast, where each week I sit down with a cup of coffee and talk about any kind of true crime story. So if you are interested in true crime, which I bet you are since you're here listening to this amazing podcast, or you like drinking coffee, then feel free to give Coffee and Crime a listen to. It is available on all major podcast platforms. You can also find Coffee and Crime on Facebook or Instagram where the DMs are always ready for you to slide in with your thoughts and feelings, recommendations, or anything true crime related. So until then, be safe, be good, be better, and all that cheesy crap. And I will catch you guys over at Coffee and Crime.
0: And now back to the episode. So, Amy, I know it's still, we haven't, you know, covered everything. But so far, is he surviving Mm -hmm. the jump or is man just a goner? Like, no chance.
1: If if we eliminate the idea that he's an alien, which I'm not (laughs) totally eliminating from my brain, (laughs) but if we pretend that he isn't... (laughs) My head says no, but my heart says yes. My head says it's night time. He's got a civilian parachute, not even a military parachute. He's wearing a dress suit and loafers. Yeah. He's taken off his tie, which actually is quite sensible. And he's got the money presumably strapped to him in a bag that he wasn't expecting to have. It wasn't what he asked for, Tina. And so I'm just assuming that no he didn't i'm reckon he's probably you know hit something on the way down and and has died but my heart says this guy is he's just too cool to die just too <laughs> cool you you don't plan it to this extent you don't get on a plane and, and order a bourbon and and smoke your cigarettes and you know plan to this extent and then not survive it surely
0: no true see i'm the same i, I want him um, i want
1: him to be alive
0: i'm the same like realistically As you say, you would have to be like, so he didn't have a military parachute. He had a civilian parachute. He jumped out of the plane in a suit. (laughs) So like not exactly ideal attire. It was nighttime and I think the visibility was pretty poor as well, uh, which didn't help. Again, he was dressed in a suit and he jumped out at 10,000 feet, I think. And it's going to be pretty fucking cold. (laughs)
1: Ten thousand yeah. <laughs> feet in a suit with a bag full of money strapped to you. <clears throat> yeah, like I say, my head says that yeah. he he did not make it. I mean what a way to go. Like that's oh, that's cool. That's very cool. But yeah, I, I don't think I don't think he survived I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I just yeah. don't know, Dom. Dom, stop asking. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no i i feel you um like realistically i'm gonna be like you probably didn't but like part of me wants it wants him to survive because just the the whole story of man casually just walked onto a plane with a bomb had a add add himself a bit of a drink got two hundred thousand dollars jumped out of a plane in a suit like some fucking james bond movie motherfucker landed in woodland and then literally just lived his life and got grew into Scott old age and free. died yeah got away scot-free and died of old age in a cabin that would be badass that would be so badass that, that's the <laughs>
1: ending i choose to believe
0: <laughs> that's i'm with you on that one yeah i'm with you but then we're probably going to have our dreams crushed <laughs> Probably. It's <laughs> nothing I'm not used to. <laughs> so, literally, D.B. Cooper had disappeared into thin air. Uh, the police were taken aback, especially considering that none of the fighter jets pursuing the plane had even seen D.B. Cooper jump. Um, although, as they had Cooper's name right, like, so the jets didn't that's, see him. That's shocking. The fighter jets didn't see anyone jump out of the plane, which is madness. I don't know if it's because maybe it was he didn't. dark and he was wearing no, a black suit. No, he definitely suit. did,
1: right? He, he oh, wasn't he, he wasn't on the plane when I, it landed. I, I think Sorry, in my head, I'm coming up with all of these conspiracy theories as we're talking about it. But no, he definitely jumped off the plane because he definitely wasn't on the plane when it landed. So mm. those pilots are just really not very observant, <laughs> or like you say, it was, maybe that's why he wore the suit. <laughs> you know, the suit was camouflage against the night sky. Maybe that's why he he chose it.
0: Well, it would make sense. Like, if he was so forward-thinking... That he would be like, I want all the money in 20s because I know that the weight would be right. It would make sense that he would be like, right, I'm going to wear a black suit because when I jump out the plane, it's going to be dark and he won't be able to see me. Exactly. Makes sense.
1: Although he was wearing My a white man, shirt. man,
0: although he was wearing a white suit, So you, do, you just see this white speck just like, wee?" <laughs> <laughs> Although, uh, as they had Cooper's name, physical description, and a number of other specifics, such as his clip-on tie, uh, the actual tie clip itself, and two of the poor four parachutes, the FBI were confident that they would be able to find him. uh, Potential suspects were questioned right away by the local police and FBI officers, Um, and quickly they discovered that the situation was not going to be as straightforward as they anticipated one of the first uh signals that that would be the case was a db cooper from oregon who had a small police record uh portland police got in touch with him on the off chance that the hijacker had used his true name or the same alias in a prior crime he was soon eliminated no no let's be honest he's not is he He was soon eliminated as a suspect, but James Long, a local reporter in a rush to meet a deadline, would mistake the man's identity with the hijacker's alias. A wire service reporter, likely Clyde Jabin of UPI, would repeat the error, which was then picked up by other media outlets. And DB Cooper became the most widely recognized pseudonym. Imagine being that guy that's like completely innocent but because fucking james long procrastinated so much that he had to rush to meet a deadline mistook the man's identity and just was like yeah that's the hijacker <laughs> like that's the dude i was just like what <laughs> what did i do
1: the first time you hear about it as I'm well you're like vibing. opening the newspaper and you see your name with that next to it you're like hang on a minute what i did what what did i do <laughs> yeah
0: you're just like, oh, I've been in my house like all day. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> I've been watching my programs. I didn't, I didn't hijack a plane. <laughs> it was challenging to pinpoint a search area, um, even as even little variations in estimates of the aircraft speed or the local and altitude dependent climatic variables along the flight path would significantly alter Cooper's anticipated landing position. A crucial factor was how long Cooper had stayed in freefall before pulling the ripcord. As stated earlier, both Air Force F-106 pilots reported seeing nothing leave the aircraft, either visually or on radar. So it didn't even show up on radar that he jumped out of the plane.
1: Okay. All right, I'm going back to he never left the plane. I don't know where he's hiding. I don't know how many places you can hide on a plane. But it didn't get picked up on radar. That guy's still on the plane. I don't know. Maybe I just really want him to survive.
0: I mean, I can see why. Like, I can see why you would say that though. If he didn't show up on radar, like, it's one thing not seeing him jump out of the plane because of the the dark suit. But if he's not, if you didn't even see him jump out of the plane on the radar,
1: that's Did he wild.
0: Jump? That's wild. Exactly. <clears throat> yeah.
1: If, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a sound? And if DB Cooper jumps out of a plane but it isn't picked up on radar, <laughs> Did he jump out of a plane?
0: Yeah, that's crazy. That is madness. And, oh, so not only that, they didn't visually see him jump out of the plane or on the radar, and they didn't see a parachute deploy either.
1: Okay. I mean, he might have jumped out and not pulled the parachute, which would be dumb, granted.
0: Why Why would he do that? I mean,
1: (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he was just like, do you know what? I want to prove I'm an absolute legend. I want to, you know make sure people remember my name and i'm gonna try it on with tina in one last ditch attempt to make some sort of love connection before i actually just jump out of a plane and and not bother i've just given this a really depressing twist i'm so sorry but you know i mean it's possible
0: maybe he he was rebuffed by by tina and shaffner so much that he was just like man what what, what's a man gotta do (laughs)
1: Hold What's my parachute.
0: <laughs> Hold my parachute. Don't need that where I'm going. <laughs> You've broken my heart, Tina Mucklow. <laughs> You've broken my heart. <laughs>
1: <laughs> from what I know, Tina Mucklow is still uh... <laughs> very much alive. So, again, sorry, Tina.
0: <laughs> Damn it. I'm Tina sure it wasn't, wasn't you. This podcast. However, given the time of day, the extremely low visibility and the cloud cover that obscured any ground lighting, it's possible that an airborne human figure dressed in an all-black suit went undetected. Also, as a little added caveat to that, the T-33's pilots would never come within visual range of the 727 aircraft.
1: Okay. 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 Uh,
0: So that might explain why it didn't come up on radar or... They didn't see him, especially if they're not in visual range.
1: Or he's of an alien race that have developed some sort of way to avoid the detection of radar.
0: (laughs) You are dying on this hill.
1: (laughs) I I am waiting for people to back me up because he's dressed like he's in Men in Black. (laughs) He's undetectable by radar. He's jumping out of planes willy-nilly. You know, (laughs) I... (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You just can't rule it out.
0: No, no. As I said, History Channel. Get on that. You like your alien programs. Pick it up. You used to be a source of actual historical facts, History Channel. What happened to you? Uh, Let's not rag on the History Channel. Otherwise, we're never going to get a sponsorship from the History Channel. Um... (laughs) (laughs) There was
1: no danger of that anyway.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's true. We've got Durex. We've got Durex. That's our <laughs> that, that Durex um, money is going to come rolling in anytime soon. Durex money. <laughs> <laughs> On December the 6th, uh, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover accepted the Air Force's offer to donate 6R71 Blackbird to help in the manhunt. In addition to retracing and photographing Flight 305's route from Seattle to Reno, the Blackbird was tasked with looking for any of the items Cooper was rumored to have departed the plane with. Uh, Five flights were attempted, however, due to poor visibility, none of the flight paths were captured on camera. Um, FBI agents were able to replicate the upward motion of the tail section and brief change in cabin pressure described by the flight crew by pushing a 200 pounds or 91 kg sled out of the open air stair during an expen- an, air- uh, ah, an experimental there we go reenactment using the same aircraft used in the hijacking in the same flight configuration. Initial extrapolations put Cooper's landing zone in a region on Mount St. Helen's southmost expansion, a few miles southeast of aerial Washington, close to Lake Merwin which is a man-made lake created by uh, a dam on the Lewis River. The areas just south and north of, Lewis, of the Lewis River in southwest Washington were the focus of the search operations in Clark and Cowlitz counties. Large portions of the densely forested terrain were searched on foot and by helicopter by FBI agents and sheriff's officers. Farmhouses in the area were also searched door to door. Um, along Yale Lake, the reservoir directly to his east and Lake Merwin, and other search groups operated patrol boats. Cooper was not discovered, nor was any of the equipment that he presumably used. <coughs> They're really getting nowhere with this. He's gone.
1: He's not dropped anything. Yeah. There's not even a shoe. He's wearing loafers. No. And that's not just because I've got a problem with loafers. I It's... It, <laughs> You don't jump out of a plane and hold on to your loafers all the way down <laughs> One of those is flying off I, I, I don't know yeah. oh I don't know yeah. he, I'm, I'm ugh I'm getting more and more frustrated because I feel like he never left the plane. What if he never left the plane? Hey, FBI, if you're listening, what if he never left the plane? <laughs> They're not listening, but okay. someone might have not thought of it, you know <laughs> Did anyone FBI check the blue? just listening. He might still be <laughs> in there. Man
0: was just, man was just hiding in the toilet, being like, "Oh man, I hope they don't see me."
1: The whole time, <laughs> he like check people's luggage. Did they get all the luggage off the train? You know, check the biggest suitcase. I don't, I don't think he left.
0: I like the theory that he was hiding in the toilet the entire time.
1: I mean, it's how <laughs> I used to get away with not buying train tickets.
0: The flight. If I, if I just, can do like, it, it's just been like DB Goop again. <laughs> The flight attendants are just like, "Ma'am, that occupied light has been on for a while." <laughs> <laughs> you okay that in guy uh, the bad <laughs> <vacos>. DB-2 <laughs> <is> just like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the FBI planned an aerial search from Seattle to Reno using fixed-wing aircraft and helicopters from the Oregon Army National Guard. This flight path is known as Victor 23 in American aviation language, but is referred to as Vector 23 in at most Cooper material. Uh, nothing connected to the hijacking was discovered despite multiple broken trees, countless plastic pieces, and other materials that resembled parachute canopies being spotted and probed. Soon after the spring thaw in early 1972, teams of FBI agents conducted another extensive ground search of Clark and Colitz counties for 18 days in March, and then another 18 days. In April, with the assistance of 200 United States Army soldiers from Fort Lewis, as well as members of the United States Air Force, uh, National Guard and civilian volunteers. A a submarine was even bought in by the Maritime Salvage Company, Electronics Explorations Company, um, which combed the 200 foot depths of Lake Merwin. They're putting a lot of in, effort into in finding the big this guns. guy.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, he only got away <laughs> with 200 grand. Chill out.
0: <laughs> FBI, like, right. Bring in the sub. <laughs> bring in the submarine. Getting the big guns out. <laughs> how much did this search
1: cost? This is my question. You know, I don't want to get into like a how much money does the government have type conversation. But this guy got 200 grand. And if you add on, like, I don't know, an extra grand for the cost of the parachutes, whatever a little bit more for the cost of the fuel of the plane to go the extra flight, whatever that is. I don't know. I don't know how much plane fuel costs these days. But whatever that is, let's say a maximum of 300 grand. That's how much we're talking about for an overall cost. How much is it costing to get these multiple searches, all of these civilians out, all of these different, you know, air forces, and then to bring in a whacking great submarine how much is that costing? <laughs> just let him off. He's earned it. He jumped out of a plane.
0: Well, that's it. Like at some point you would, surely at some point you would think it's $200,000. Is it really worth this much effort?
1: It isn't, is the answer. Like, it's not worth it. It's But this is, is going to be a principal really thing. Hard. This is like, he kind of just disappeared. We need to know what happened. I yeah. can't let this go. Throw yeah. everything we've got at it. Get the sub. That's going to fix it.
0: Yeah, I would definitely say that at this point they're doing it because they're like, we can't let him get away with it. Like, like you say, it's but the principle at this point.
1: He's he's deserved it. Yeah, and plus he got like, again, not jumping ahead at all, but like general public opinion of him was that he was like a bit of a folk hero. Like people thought he was cool. People thought yeah. he was amazing. There was a lot of like yeah. unemployment at the time. People were poor, and they saw this guy that was like you know, jumping out of planes to get 200 grand and getting away with it. And he was a legend. People loved him. So, you know, let him off. Just let him do his thing. You can't say he hasn't earned it.
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%. In Clark County, two local women found a skeleton in an abandoned building. Well, oh, that turned a bit morbid, didn't it? Um, <laughs> it turned out to be... <laughs> that, that went well morbid for a second. <laughs> They found a fucking abandoned... found a skeleton in a fucking building. Jesus. So it turned out to be uh, Barbara and Derry's remains, who was a teenage girl who had been kidnapped and killed a few weeks before. <laughs> this has gone really morbid. Whoa.
1: Why? <laughs> Dom, it was like you were writing the outline for this episode and you were like, you know what? This isn't true crimey enough. Let's just whack in a an extra <laughs> little freebie.
0: <laughs> this is becoming... This is becoming too, too, too normal. Let's, where's, where's a murder? There's a murder that we can stick in here. So the abandoned skeleton uh, turned out to be Barbara Ann Derry's remains, who was a teenage girl who had been kidnapped and killed a few weeks before. In the end, the thorough search and recovery operation turned up no physical evidence of the hijacking. They're just really out here finding absolute jack at this point. Like, just absolute jack.
1: I'm not going to labour my points. I have two very valid points. Because he's an (coughs) alien or because he didn't jump. I don't know what more you want from me.
0: (laughs) So, uh, Cooper's drop zone was first predicted to lie between uh, aerial dam to the north and the town of Battleground, Washington to the south, based on early computer estimates made for the FBI. Cooper likely jumped over the hamlet of La Center, Washington, according to a joint study by Northwest Orient Airlines and the Air Force, which led the FBI to conclude their initial calculations were wrong in March 1972. Kind of makes you wonder how much else the FBI were wrong about on this one.
1: The FBI, role. you can't suggest that.
0: (laughs) The FBI released lists of the ransom serial numbers to the banking institutions, casinos, racetracks and other companies that regularly handled large cash transactions, as well as law enforcement organizations worldwide, a month after the hijacking. Uh, 15% of the money found in recovery was provided as a raw reward by Northwest Orient uh, up to a maximum of $25,000, which is in 22, 2022 money, $177,000. Holy inflation, nice. Batman. <laughs> right? <laughs> the... I wonder if that's still available.
1: <laughs> if that reward's still about, then I might go to the FBI with my... Alien slash he didn't jump theories.
0: Well, towards the end of the episode, we'll find out if that <laughs> reward is still in play. I know, right? I'm teasing. The serial numbers were made public by U.S. Attorney General John N. Mitchell at the start of 1972. On February the 10th, 1980, eight year old Brian Ingram was on vacation with his family at uh, Tina Bar, a shoreline on the, the Columbia River near Vancouver, Washington, some nine miles downstream and 20 miles southwest of Ariel. As he combed the sandy riverbed to make a campfire, he discovered three packets of the ransom money, totaling around $5,800, the equivalent of nearly $21,000 in 2022. The bills were still contained in rubber bands, but they had disintegrated due to prolonged exposure to the weather. Two packages of $120 bills apiece, together with a third packet of 90, all placed in the same manner as when they were presented to Cooper, were found, and FBI specialists verified that the money was, indeed, part of the ransom. The plot thickens. Dun-dun-dun. <laughs> this Don't is why that,
1: I asked for a knapsack, Tina. This is why I wanted a <laughs> decent bag because three <laughs> packets of my money, 20 or grand, just gone flying out the window because you're so friggin' incompetent. Is right? This is why it never Outrageous. would have
0: worked. <laughs> you had one job, Tina. You had one job. That's getting the fucking bag. Sorry, Tina, we're sort of piling on at the moment, aren't we? This wasn't, this
1: wasn't your fault, um, Tina. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the discovery sparked a number of fresh rounds of speculation and ultimately left more issues unanswered. The bundled backnotes were believed to have been washed freely into the Columbia River from one of its several connecting connecting parts. According to the initial claim, made by investigators and scientific advisors the bill's rounded disintegration and matted togetherness as noted by an army corps of engineers uh, engineers hydrologist suggested that they had been deposited by river action rather than intentionally buried if true such finding would corroborate the idea that cooper had not made landfall close to Lake Merwin, or any Lewis River branch, which feeds into the Columbia downstream of the Tina Bar. Additionally, it supported the theory that the drop zone was close to the Washougal River, which joins the Columbia upstream of the finding site. Ooh, ooh, it is causing questions, people. The free-floating explanation has had problems, since it could not account for the 10 missing notes from one packet and could not explain why the three packets would have remained together after being separated from the rest of the money. Uh, Geological data was contradicted by physical evidence according um, to Himmelsbach who also noted that free-floating bundles would have washed up on the shore within a couple of years of the hijacking if not for the rubber band's long-term degradation according to geological data the bills must have arrived to Tina Bar after 1974 when the Corps of Engineers began dredging that section of the river. The fact that two distinct layers of sand and sediment were discovered by geologist Leonard Palmer of the Portland State University between the clay um, that the dredge had deposited on the riverbank and the sand layer in which the bills were buried suggests that the bills arrived after the dredging had already finished. The retrieved bills were split equally between Ingram and Northwest Orient's insurance provider, Royal Globe Insurance, in 1986 following protracted negotiations. And the FBI would keep 14 samples of the ransom money as proof. I in feel like this is a good example of why Ingram... you don't
1: hand in hidden money. Like you find money, a big amount of money, and, you know, The good thing to do as a good citizen is turn it into the police. The police then gave half of it back. Hey, if I didn't turn it into you, I would have kept all of it. So how about you fork it over? Yeah. I know he was eight. What's he going to do with all that money? But it's not the point. (laughs) You know, he found it. Find his keepers. The police should respect the rules of find his keepers.
0: He could have started his own business. He could have, like, started his own lemonade stand or something. Whatever eight year olds has a in 19, fancy
1: lemonade 18. stand for that much money
0: <laughs> it would be like the fanciest lemonade stand <laughs> no other lemonade stand would would stand a chance <laughs> like <absolutely laughs> that, that kid's
1: importing Sicilian lemons he's got like a team <laughs> out back that's doing it for him. he's having a great time <laughs> with that lemonade stand with that much money
0: so in two thousand and eight Ingram earned around $37,000 or nearly $51,000 in today's money from the auction sale of the 15 uh, bills that he was given. The sole physically verifiable remnant of the hijacking that was discovered uh, outside the aeroplane is the ransom money that was found in the Columbia River. That boy got his bag. I respect it. I respect it. He's an
1: entrepreneur. If you tell me he grew up and changed his name to <laughs> Jeff Bezos, i believe you.
0: <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> that would be amazing. That, there's oh, your plot dear. twist. <laughs> I mean, if that's the case, Ingram, mate, pay your fucking taxes. Jesus Christ. <laughs>
1: We're going after the big guns today. We've, all, we've already gone after Zuckerberg. We now we're going after Bezos. Right.
0: We can kiss that Amazon sponsorship money goodbye.
1: <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to simmer down, I reckon.
0: <laughs> uh, even though they later stated that there was no proof connecting the hijacker to the source of the sample material, the FBI would announce in late 2007 that a partial DNA profile had been established from traces found on Cooper's tie in 2001. According to Special Agent Fred Gut, the tie had two small DNA samples and one large one. Along with posting previously unreleased composite images and fact sheets, the Bureau also made a file of previously undiscovered material, including Cooper's 1971 airline ticket public and asked the public for assistance in identifying Cooper. Um, The FBI also revealed that Cooper had selected the less modern of the two primary parachutes given to him, rather than the more advanced professional sport parachutes and that of the two reserve parachutes. He had chosen a dummy, a non-functional unit with the sewn shut chute meant for classroom demonstrations, despite the fact that a skilled skydiver would have known that this was non-functional. It is plausible to assume Cooper was a military parachutist rather than a civilian skydiver because the oldest of the two primary chutes was an, was an MB-8, which is a military parachute. Cooper could not have jumped with this dummy reserve chute because neither of the primary harnesses uh, had the correct D-rings needed to attach, needed to attach reserve chutes, despite attempts to portray Cooper as an inexperienced uh, as inexperienced for using an ineffective dummy reserve chute, therefore, as Cooper lacked the necessary tools to utilize either of the reserve chutes provided to him, they were technically uh, they were theoretically useless um Although Cooper was unable to use this dummy chute as a backup parachute it, and it was not discovered in the aircraft, it is unknown what he did with it uh, the FBI announced <laughs> so, yeah. The FBI announced that on July the 8th, 2016, uh, that the Cooper case's ongoing investigation had been discontinued, citing the necessity to concentrate investigative resources and personnel on matters of higher and more urgent priority. Any genuine physical evidence that may later come to light in relation to the parachutes or the ransom money would still be accepted by local FBI field offices at FBI headquarters in Washington DC as well as on the FBI website the 66 volume case file assembled over the 45 year course of the investigation will be kept for historical purposes 45 year investigation they investigated that for 45, 45 years. years holy hell
1: 45 years <laughs> and in the first five years. 5 years first 5 years they investigated 800 individuals on suspicion of being DB Cooper. Yeah, that
0: is, that Remember, is That's crazy. just the first 5 years. People. You've
1: got 8 times that.
0: The public has access to every piece of the evidence uh, found. And in the history of commercial flights, this hijacking is still the only one that has never been solved. And that brings us to a close for part 1 of the unsolved case of one DB Cooper one of my all-time favorite unsolved cases I just I love it love it so much Amy obviously right so obviously there's still part two to go but what are your thoughts so far what are you feeling are you leaning one way or the other
1: I'm oh I don't know this is so confusing I came into this (laughs) thinking that I had I mean obviously I'm not going to going to tease for part two because we'll get into it but I had a theory in my head that I'd read about that I thought you know what boom there it is that's that's what happened that makes sense um but the more I talk about it the more you read about this case the more you you know do your research and and delve further and further into and get like these little tiny facts the more it changes your opinion and I think that's probably why it's been unsolved for so long because if I'm doing that and I haven't got a, an investigative FBI type brain then what the hell are they thinking, you know? They're probably going into way more detail than I'm going. They know things that I don't. No wonder the guy has not been caught, because I'm 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 bamboozled. I have no idea.
0: Bamboozled. Oh, that's such a good word. Bamboozled. I love it. <laughs> I am positively bamboozled. DB
1: Cooper is bamboozling. <laughs> he
0: is He's a bamboozler. D.B. Cooper is a bamboozler.
1: He's a downright bamboozler, see?
0: <laughs> so,
1: also, just on, a, on a note episode, to end from me as well, then uh, just one other thing, I've just got to say it. Looking at the composite sketches, it's kind of hot. Just, no, just me? Okay.
0: No, no, I I would agree. I would agree. Like, I'm, I'm comfortable enough in my sexuality to be like, yeah, D.B. Cooper was a handsome guy. By the way, you Your screen, this is very random. Your screen is so dark; (laughs) it looks like I know you're just sort of a an outline of like a of like a demon or something. (laughs) So, um, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, and we hope you did, because it was a really fun one to to read up on, and it's been a really fun one to record. Don't forget to rate, review, and recommend the show. It doesn't cost anything to review doesn't cost anything to put a rating doesn't cost anything to recommend to your your friends your family your dog your postman um, that weird neighbor across the street that you don't really get the great vibe from just recommend it to anyone anyone who will listen don't forget to have a look at the patreon page and if you are so inclined join the horror house patreon and also if you don't want to uh, do patreon as Amy said look at buy us a coffee buy us a coffee yeah look at buy us a coffee and you know donate to the show and you know it'd be great to you know to see the support from you guys and all that good stuff also be sure to follow the show on twitter and on instagram at horrorhouse_pod. underscore pod be sure to follow the show on your podcast app of choice whether that's spotify apple podcasts whatever that may be give us a follow on there so amy would you like to see us out this week
1: sure i would love to see us out this week um thank you for listening we look forward to welcoming you for part two where we'll no doubt talk more about how we should be sponsored by Jurex and whether or not db cooper was in fact (laughs) men in black um but thank you for joining us we'll see you next week and as always stay spooky
0: stay spooky y'all